Go Ready, John? Yeah. Um, Chris Pratt has been cast in the next Mario movie. But the big question is, did he ever give anyone his dog to take care of that he got in the previous movies? I, I just can't. I'll have to see something to believe that it could top it. There's a Harry Potter HBO Max reboot. Why? I don't know. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Gonzo Film Reviews. We have a very exciting episode today. Um, we did this so you don't have to. We watched the Mario movie uh-huh. live, like the whole thing. <clears throat> I even finished the credits for a post-credit scene that I could have YouTubed. All for you, <laughs> because uh, I don't recommend it for everyone who loves Mario, but, you know, it's... um. If you it's, talk on a podcast, it's worth it. Yeah, it's something to cover. It's something to talk about. Um, let's just start with the questions. Let's open it up. Yeah, <laughs> um, go for it. Ask. Um, ask away. I'm yeah. After, after watching, I have so many questions, but not necessarily about the plot. Mm-mm. So, question one. Um, we're gonna go right to the spoiler. Post-credit scene. Uh, there's an egg that cracks. We hear the Yoshi um, name oh, call. Yeah, the name drop. Do you think that's like a, a minor tease to the sequel, or do you think they're going to base like almost the entire sequel off like Yoshi and, and the Yoshi world? Uh, gosh, I I think I firmly believe from the way that this movie was set up, like how direct they were about the direction of all of it, uh, it's going to be focused entirely on like the world of Yoshi. Like... Because they didn't really give you much else to go off of. And did it look like to you, did it look like the egg was still in Brooklyn? Yeah, it looked like the uh, it looked like a pipe system under the city. Yeah, so so like, it must have come through when Bowser crashed there. Yeah. So, so like you... they have a pathway. They went back to Mushroom Kingdom at the end. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, she's stuck in Brooklyn. Hmm. I guess so. So Yoshi and Brooklyn, maybe this maybe the sequel. Could be a so what kind of villains do you want to see though? I've heard people say Waluigi, Wario. Um, I would like to see Wario the most. I mean, I I love Waluigi. Yeah, I have a high appreciation for the memes too. But I I think um, the direction though. I mean, they kind of come hand in hand anyway. Um, but I do believe that if you're going in order of like most popular antagonists to Mario. Then I'd say probably Wario and Waluigi are next. And ironically, I would sooner cast Jack Black as Wario than as Bowser. He was an amazing Bowser. Um, but I, I probably, I still, if I had him on the table, I would want him there first. Um, but I guess they had to swing with their their biggest bat. Which leads to the next question. Um, Chris Pratt as Mario. Oh, yeah. Lord. Thoughts, feelings? Um, A lot of them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all, all kinds all in kinds. in order of um greatest strength and or um, um pain greatest strength probably uh his he does have kind of a a good voice for a comedy role yeah uh, and it was a pretty funny movie i'll give it that if you know it it does appeal maybe more to a younger crowd who hasn't grown to love the original voice actor for Mario so much. It kind of just Chris Pratt is a great actor, but I just, I just never, 
thought I could see him as Mario because he doesn't even really have like an accent. The first time and I saw that post, the Twitter post, it was like discussing discussing film. Yeah. It was just a picture of Chris Pratt's serious face. It says um, Chris Pratt has been cast in the next Mario movie. I thought it was April Fool's. I thought it was a prank. I, I, I don't blame you at all because I'm telling you, what, I, we walked out of the theater and I still wasn't sure what I just saw because it wasn't a bad movie. Like, he he did his job. It's just, it, it's not really... Uh, it's not really the point of whether or not he did well. He did his job. It's just he probably wasn't the guy I would have chose. Yeah, it was just such an unfaithful, kind of breezy, quick and surface level adaptation that I think they missed out on a lot of opportunities because you, I was thinking as I watched it, like if you slap on just the plot of um, Super Mario Galaxy, Mm-hmm. into this even if you condense it and adapt it it's it's miles better than what they kind of came up with uh the strongest bond i think was just like the brother relationship but we also didn't see much of them interacting it was mostly like quick little flashbacks yeah and then they were really happy when they were together and they did well <laughs> like yeah they they together they were stronger and all that it was like a good young younger theme but mm-hmm. there wasn't much to it no, not really. it was mostly just you know chris pratt being chris pratt and then Luigi was a little better. I mean, I couldn't couldn't quite I, tell much. I didn't mind Charlie Day as Luigi, but that's I feel like that's also like I said before, like when we were in the theater, I feel like that's because like Luigi didn't get that many voice lines throughout the movie. Yeah. And it's a short Target movie. Judge. So like you know, I'm not entirely against Charlie Day cuz I guess he's kind of he kind of sounds similar. He just doesn't have the accent, you know. Yeah, he was he a has, lot closer. He has the right vocal pitch. It's just, I don't know. I, I I don't mind Charlie Day, but I just can't, I can't quite accept it in my heart <laughs> that Chris Pratt is Mario. Yeah, I left the theater not even feeling like Mario's back or Mario's in cinemas or mm. that was a Mario movie. I just kind of left thinking, that was a pretty funny movie. Like yeah. the Toads were hilarious. <laughs> I mean, they they cracked me up a good number of times. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the little... The little water uh, element in the, the in the prison, the dungeon yeah, of Bowser, star guy. the self existential um, nihilist <laughs> little water elemental was just like so uh, apocalyptically was, delicious. He was hopeless, but in the best kind of way. The uh, the death penguin, made him happy. The penguin, uh, the penguin king. <laughs> I got a lot of humor out of him. Please just stop. <laughs> yeah, those in those toads and they were fleeing. I think it was probably the biggest laugh. Um, <laughs> he like dropped some apples. Just leave it. There's no time. <laughs> Run! <laughs> oh, I love those guys. No, yeah, they were adorable. So the next question: mm-hmm. If you want sequels, which you could even say no, you don't want them. But if you wanted any sequels at all, what would you want them to improve about? their interpretation of of mario as a as a game genre because honestly it's its own genre like Mm. um of nintendo games yeah imagine if this was zelda right and they kind of butchered zelda and they made larry the cable guy is link you know and then zelda is um in his role with the sword and all doing all the adventuring 
And Link is always like, you know, indisposed or on a higher plane or captured or, or needing a power He's source in the or Luigi whatever. spot. Yeah. So like where Princess Peach usually is, is where Zelda usually ends up in these games. And then she comes at the end all powerful and, and blasts everything to shit. Yeah. So <laughs> for a sequel, what do you think they could do to kind of more accurately embrace Mario and probably be a little less scared of welcoming new people in and scaring them away now mm-hmm. that they realize how much money they can make in, in a Mario movie. They have enough now where they can take a risk, right? Yeah. Well, I I think they could take a risk, but genuinely, I mean, even as you're asking me about it, I'm trying to think about it. And I, I'm not entirely sure. The, the movie itself left me with a very odd impression that I couldn't begin to like try and mold a different way because it all went by so fast. Yeah. Right. The plot was so direct and usually uh, the, the pacing of the movie is kind of what lets it sink in a little bit. There's stakes, you know, everything like that, which the, the stakes were always there. They did a good job of keeping the stakes present. I think that's something they should keep if there's a sequel. Yeah, have a um, have a good time pressure. But I think that they should conflict. change the pacing. It's they they fit a lot of things happening in in like a very short amount of time. It wouldn't have killed them to make it an hour forty five or two hours. Even. No, it would. It was. Have. It would have been a little easier to yeah. get all that exposition down because there's so much. Like, you almost can't get a full appreciation for the movie like being what it is you know i mean we finally get a super mario bros movie and you know there there's all these references to the games and you know all of the 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 creatures in you know the the mario games and we get to see kind of how the kingdoms live and everything like that so very but cool we worlds only get on to see them for like we get glimpses you know what i mean at each kingdom for not long at all and then it's skipped right forward and we're heading right back on target to like the the plot (laughs) even since i was a kid that's been one of my biggest gripes with a lot of movies Mm -hmm. Um, especially kids movies is that they tend to be whiplash like that they want to keep kids excited and like sugar rush adrenaline but a lot of kids are more detailed and slow and like they want to see um, the world that you're enticing them with, like you, the Donkey Kong um, track when they yeah. were going to meet the king. Mm-hmm. I mean, give me just 10 seconds more, uh, like 30 seconds more of that. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it and was when awesome. they're doing the course, don't just show me flyby footage of them, you know, on certain obstacles. Change up the course a little bit too. Like make it like the games where you're actually watching them from the side do it. Like they tried. They didn't quite 100% get to like all the game elements but they certainly tried to showcase them a little bit um, and make them integral to the plot. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid, there was so many movies where I was like, oh, just, just hold it a little longer, please. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo had the perfect pacing because you felt like you spent just the perfect amount of time with every really cool location, mm-hmm. creature, and, and conflict. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I 100% get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's really deep in my soul how yeah. much I love good pacing. And you're an editor. I'm yeah. a writer. Pacing is our blood. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, if we made something, when we make something, mm-hmm. some things, 
absolutely. We're going to be sitting in that editing room for the majority of the time we work on the project. Just, just like this, because that's where it all happens. And so, like the pacing has to feel like you're a kid and you watch that movie and you really got it. They're just hitting the engines. And that's the thing. You, you, it is the biggest nightmare for any kind of editor. Whenever it's zero to a hundred and you never slow down enough, because if in like, if you ever have to edit something, you know, you kind of need room to breathe to make fixes, right? The number one rule of editing (laughs) I've always heard from the greatest masters of the cinematic craft. You can always cut things out. Mm -hmm. You cannot add things in. Sure. You could reshoot, but that's just, that's technically cheating. Like, you can't add things as an editor. You, you keep, they made, the footage is no. already made. So give them too much. Never give them too little. Exactly. Oh. I, yeah, but that that's what I would do if there was a sequel. That's what I would do different. Because I and I would probably have more to say. But like I said, it's just I felt like I was constantly getting hit with that adrenaline rush. Like you were saying, like they they wanted to keep you. It, you didn't have time to appreciate like the scenery in the movie because you were always like, Oh, now they're doing this and now they're going there. Now they're doing this and this is happening. And you never have just a second to like take it in to be like, wow, this looks amazing as an adaptation of something I love. Instead, it's just kind of like you, it's almost like uh, if it was a video game, whoever was in control was speed running it. Yeah, yeah, definitely felt <laughs> you know like I mean? as a video game, it wouldn't have been very fun at all. As, no, a, as a, if yeah. those were the cutscenes, I could only imagine the video game is dreadfully boring. Yeah, yeah. And there were there was actually one clever edit that I really loved. It's when he saw his first um, level mm-hmm. in um, Mushroom Kingdom when he's trying to go to the castle to meet Peach, mm-hmm. and he, we just kind of cut to him at the end, exhausted. Mm-hmm. And we all know what he did. Like we sat there, we play the games where you have to try. It takes you hours to yeah. like finish a whole big level. And they cut that down to a millisecond. Yeah. And, like, it was clever. It was funny. And nobody wants to sit there and watch the entire process. But at least montage it. Like, show us some of the actual game. It felt like a lot of the scenes had uh, cheap sets. Mm -hmm. They were put on a stage. And you saw it from, like, one angle. And then they would zoom to the next one, like you said. I didn't actually feel like when he was fighting Donkey Kong, he was in, like, a real cool arena because we only saw like two shots of it and then he he started losing he hit a box he started winning he won yeah and then you zoom to the next part it's like i I just the only places i felt like we really had great scenery was when there was a bowser scene Mm -hmm. in his castle or if we were like traveling literally flying through the air Mm -hmm. or there was a travel sequence that's the only time i really felt like um the world was very very beautiful and Mm -hmm. i could like feel it like i was actually there um the introduction to the toad kingdom was like i kind of felt like that on the opening because they carefully slowly went through the whole um opening part of the city and you saw so many different aspects of their lives yeah. so yeah i mean but, but a lot after that they just never really went into in depth anywhere at all exactly that was like the first and only time they ever took the time to show like hey this is a living breathing world yeah <laughs> these creatures exist and they live their lives this way instead it was just kind of like they showed you that to be like, these are the things that you're protecting. Yeah, you're supposed to care about what yeah, happens to them, yeah. so they're the only ones we're going to care about. Yeah. You know what I wanted to see more of? I wanted to see more from the Shy Guys. 
Yeah. Little dudes in the masks. They were pretty cool. Yeah. I, don't I was know. really hoping for like a tie-in to um, the ghost track mm-hmm. from most of the games, or at least Luigi's Mansion. I mean, if we have a Haunted Mansion spinoff or sequel, it mostly focused on Luigi, that's probably the number one thing I want out of this. Absolutely. I'm telling you, Luigi's Haunted Mansion was one of my favorite games oh. growing up. And you know what? I got really excited whenever it first showed him in the dark area. Yeah. And he had a flashlight and like his like tool thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, is he about to fight ghosts? <laughs> and then, you know, of course, you know, that never happened because Luigi didn't really get like a shining moment until the very end. And it was just mostly to protect Mario, and then yeah. he jumped on the star, too. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I and I, I'm a diehard, like, stan of Luigi. I always felt like he should get a little bit more love. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the way, I just feel like it, the Super Mario Bros. movie, there wasn't really much of the bros together you know they kind of took peach and luigi and swapped them yeah why was peach training mario on how to do what mario does in the beginning that was yeah a little odd to me like i don't care if they you know i don't mind who does it but it just mm -hmm. seems strange to me that like she was kind of posited as the one who would do the training sounds like something a princess would outsource yeah i guess she had a crush on it but still Kind of a strange Um, thing to see. Like, the very first Mario game, you don't see her train him. You know, it's just not really the lore or, like, the canon or whatever you want to call it. And it's, like, the whole thing, usually the way the Mario games are, you know, Peach gets kidnapped, right, by Bowser. You go and, oh, Mario, you have to save her. The princess has been kidnapped. You go, oh, she's not at this kingdom. You have to go to the other kingdom and (laughs) all that. But it's always, like mario and luigi going to save the princess but this time it was mario and the princess going to save luigi (laughs) yeah pretty interesting like they inverted it for sure yeah but i don't know but yeah and also it was like save clueless luigi she didn't even know him Mm. so she wasn't even really saving anyone that she knew or cared particularly about well she was she was helping her crush get his brother back Mm. you know and very like what do you call it um new crush yeah it was a very fresh crush. Yeah, um, yeah. She just met the guy. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was fast, just like everything else in the movie. It was, they moved fast. Mm-hmm. Um, Granted, I mean, she also, I guess it was under the guise of like, you know, she has to protect her kingdom too. Yeah. She promised so as like, a monarch. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess they had, you know, shared goals in going where they were going. But like, it's just... Uh, it's so different from the the Mario games in that we know and love. Ways. The the things that they kept most like two were the power ups. Yeah, power ups and like cars and, yeah. and the general functions and like the what do you call them the materials, yeah, the yeah, things yeah. you can use. But yeah, the story and the characters and the um, the interaction with each place they went to is mm-hmm. a little odd, a little off. And I, I really love the Mario games for being completely crazy and like yeah. huge travels and everything and, and fun. And even tracks where you're driving as fast as you can, it still felt like 
you had a satisfying amount of time and you saw enough of Cheeseland to not want to come back. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Cheeseland was in this, they would go through a few Swiss holes and then just leave and see yeah. one mouse or something. But you know, that's that's not really Cheeseland. It's yeah. like you know, it's like they only showed a little bit of Rainbow Road. Yeah. Um, but my favorite part of that was when he jumped off the side. Oh yeah. And took that shortcut to the below track. So because I I felt like the, I was playing the games again because that's what I would do. Exactly. I found all those crazy insane shortcuts that you're not supposed to take, but like mm-hmm. they build it in there just in case you notice. Oh, it's it's so fun. Which you know, you speak of that scene. Was I the only one wondering how the guy that was chasing him got down there? Because they didn't show him take it too. It made it look like he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. like it. It made but it look like he wasn't... really watched him go down there, and then next frame we see them. He's behind him somehow. Yeah, I mean, I guess they assumed that we wouldn't notice. He just <laughs> yeeted himself down there. <laughs> he just off screen. Yeah. Caught up, I guess, but changed tracks off screen. But yeah, I don't know. What else for Mario? There was um there were a couple parts where I really I actually enjoyed it. You know, the, the humor was no, great. Absolutely. And there were some parts where it really did feel like you were playing one of the games. Mm-hmm. Um and you I just kinda of smiled because like, yep, that's 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 Mario. Mm-hmm. But they were so rare. Like the whole movie should have been like that. Like when I watched the Lego movie. So much of that was just sitting there going, yes, this is exactly what playing with Legos is like. And then you literally get to see it through the mind of two people, like real people um, who are actually, who built the world. And it's a real kind of like a meta thing. It's, yeah. It was so good. And, you know, like Finding Nemo, you get the whole ocean. It's a cool story and everything. It's just it's so beautiful. Yeah. So it's like an up. Like you get all these rare gems. Fantastic. Um, Puss in Boots. So, but this wasn't one of them. I don't think it really lived up to Mario or just, you know, great animated film. Mm-hmm. Big money maker. Big but money maker. I don't know about like, you know, I, I really feel like they should have delayed this. They they made it really quickly and mm-hmm. they announced it really quickly. Uh, they made it right after they announced it. I mean, so I feel like they could have just taken another year or two and made like a an excellent two hour quintessential Mario, uh, Mario movie that made it made more might have made more money too. So, mm-hmm. but it, it was, I would say probably. I don't know. It's hard to rate kids' films, you know, because yeah. when it doesn't really connect with the brand for me, I feel like that's like a half score, like a five out of ten. But when you're thinking of kids, it's like maybe they don't give a shit about the Mario fans or guys like me. Like maybe they're yeah. just giving kids a, a fun movie that they can basically understand all of, right? And there's nothing a kid wouldn't get in that movie. Yeah, so well, that's the thing is, if you're looking at it for like a, this is meant for just purely like take your kids to it and you get a day off from parenting kind of thing. Like couple, just an hour and a half free of crying children and whatnot. They can go, they can have fun, enjoy the movie from a parent's perspective. The movie's really, really good, right? Because it keeps their attention for the entire time. They don't have enough time to really like worry about the stuff that we worry about their kids. They don't care anyway, but like, and it's very funny. Yeah, it's kind of like um, putting VeggieTales on exactly, and getting yeah. them to shut up for yeah, a minute. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but so I I think as far as like a family movie goes, I'd give it like, and this is being very generous, but I'd give it like, you know, like a 7.5. Yeah, I can eight. definitely feel that. I would say 8 yeah, maybe for eight. a family movie. If it was a like hour 50 ish mm-hmm. instead of hour and 29 i would say like it's like a nine or 10 yeah, out of 10 because like it'll keep 
you can babysit that way. You can send the, your older sibling. You can send your grandma. Mm-hmm. Like they're gone a little longer. Like when it's that quick, they're going to come through the door and mommy and daddy are going to be um, like enjoying the couch a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, they're back already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just um, uh, relaxing. We're sleeping. Yeah, we took a nap. <laughs> yeah. It was just a really yeah. fast movie. And it's really hot in here. So like, yeah. So that, that's where my, that's why my shirt's on the floor. Um, <laughs> why, why don't you take him to Chuck E. Cheese? Like, if it was just a little longer, I would say almost like a perfect family film. But yeah. as a Mario film or just in, in general as an animated film, you know, just, just judging it by the pure standards of story that I usually kind of hold things to, probably like a five. Uh-huh. I, I liked it less than D&D. And I like D&D less than um, a lot of other movies I've seen recently. Mm. And it's like, that was like a six. Yeah. So pr- probably around a five, 5.5 for Mario. And just overall, like everything considered. But if just as a, yeah, just as a family movie or a way to pass time, I mean, I'd why not? Eight. Solid eight up for as a family movie then. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can agree on that. So like, you know, from a, from a Mario fan standpoint, give it maybe a five. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and then an just eight do it for, for a family movie. I agree with that. That's a good, that's a good way to wrap that up. Put a bow on it. It wasn't Jedi's. Um, it wasn't Star Wars's last Jedi. No, it was more like Star Wars's Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Got a lot of good stuff in it. Some cool action, some mm-hmm. humor, but really dragged down by the lame love story and, and slower parts. Mm-hmm. I agree. This was the opposite. It was too fast and too superficial. Yeah, and could have been dragged down a little more. Yeah, it yeah, would have yeah. helped it, but it was kind of like the Attack of the Clones vibe. Yeah, they just never lowered the anchor. That's all. Just, yeah. That's, that's all. Just um, a bit mid. It could have just slowed down. I think that was my biggest problem with it, is that I felt like I had to keep up the whole time. Yeah. And you know that whatever you're watching at that moment mm-hmm. is going to be replaced pretty damn soon. Yeah. You know that no matter what, the conclusion is near. So, Granted, maybe it's genius. Maybe they want you to watch it like three times so you're satisfied with what you've seen. Maybe. I mean, I would watch it. I would just watch the the Peach song over and over again just for the laughs. Oh yeah, because Jack Black he he makes a funny voice sound good. Yeah, he does. But he just he sounds so damn good when he sings. It starts bad on purpose and then it just gets so good. Gotta love. He Jack he traps Black. you. He he honeypots you. It's, yeah, it's he so does. good. Gotta love Jack Black. That is one thing they did right. Yeah, Jack Black, keep him. Like please, Absolutely. Bowser Junior. Yeah, yeah. May, tone his voice down, pitch it down. Literally make him Bowser Junior too, oh, and then have Bowser Junior break, break Bowser out, <laughs> and then he's literally plays both both of them. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd watch that. Oh yeah, I watch the hell out of that. Do it from uh, Bowser Junior. Be the protagonist of that one from his perspective. We could, yeah, we probably follow him. It'll be, be like um, it'll be like taking the other side. So yeah, like you yeah. follow Bowser um, you know, getting Bowser out of uh, the, prison. The Koopas were funny too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it all. So like the the characters that were great. It's not the casting necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would say a good old 5 or 6 out of 10. It was it wasn't the worst movie I ever saw, but it definitely was one yeah. of the least faithful to its source material that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But Coming up, though, we do have um, a special review of John Wick 4, which was also watched recently by both of us. Yes. And we're going to kind of go into the comparison as well, tracking this through the trilogy that came before it and figuring out if this is the end for John Wick or if this is just the beginning of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we already have spinoffs, so spoiler, spoiler, there is still going to be John Wick content. Mm -hmm. But the big question is, did he ever give anyone his dog to take care of that he got in the previous movies? Because he got one from the Continental. So. Exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. The whole time I was watching, I was wondering. Because they never, they never approached the subject. Nope. They never once approached it. They just it. end and it. It's the like, whole time uh, I'm sitting there and all these, literally nothing but death happening in that movie. And I'm just kind of like, this all started because some Russian mobster's son shot his dog. Yep. And I'm like, all of this. <laughs> the words that kept going through my head when I watched the fourth one. The first batch of words were, Trey, oh my God, just ask for her damn number, you wuss. <laughs> Because my friend went to the lobby, not once, not twice, but three times to attempt to ask a girl he liked in there for her number, and he failed all three times. He spent most of the time in the restroom with napkins and M&Ms. So he struck out. Yeah, and then the third time he went, they closed the lobby by then. So he spent the entire movie kicking himself and going, you idiot, why didn't you just do it? Ah! But anyway, the second thing I was thinking was <laughs> a fucking pencil <laughs> with a pencil. Just the whole time. Yeah. And I just saw every weapon he used and every person he killed. I imagined him doing it with a pencil. And oh, I enjoy yeah, the yeah. movie so much more. It's so good. I mean, I I really, really like the stunt choreography in the John Wick movies. Oh, yeah. Um, I can tell that in this one, it's a little bit different from the others. Some of the fight scenes seemed a little bit less fluid. Um, like, you can clearly tell that like some of the scenes look like they were one take you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but, and they even like, cut a lot of fighting too which yeah, is crazy because it was such a long movie mm -hmm. i thought they left it all out there but they i, I heard there's a big cuts out of the um the mob boss's death mm -hmm. it was supposed to be a longer fight much longer yeah. on the stairs and he they just like ah, just cut it make him fall off yeah break his neck so i mean which what did you think of scott adkins in that honestly i think he was one of the high points yeah you know, he was really funny and he was very refreshing because it came like halfway through the long movie. Mm -hmm. So having him pop up and be so funny and so like cool mm -hmm. at the same time was really refreshing. It was a good kick in the pants for the rest of the movie and to kind of keep you going into the third act. And um, coming up after this, we're going to have questions about John Wick 4. And we are back with questions on John Wick 4 and the trilogy <laughs> overall. So my main focus, of course, is going to be on the latest movie, the, the John Wick 4. Yeah. So my first question to you, and this one is more for the uh, comedic sense. I actually almost burst out laughing when the scene started because it was one of those things that just, they really just jumped you into it. The opening scene where he's on a horse riding behind those people and shooting at them. Yeah. I counted his shots, by the way. He never reloaded or anything like that. He shot that pistol 23 times. 23 times. But also, like, I don't know. It was just, it's one of those jump cuts right into the beginning of the movie where there's already action that you can't, ex there's no context. Yeah. So, like, I wanted to laugh. I found it actually really funny. But... And of course, like after you kind of understand what's going on, but it takes a little while because he has to kill all the horsemen first, and then get up, yeah, get up, to and the guy, then they start talking. Dialogue, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what, what what was your impression on that? 
I saw it in um, a bigger theater. I went to XD, so it mm. does nothing to add to your picture, but it adds the sound. Bigger speakers, deeper sound, yeah. more sounds. So the first punches you hear, they really like shake the the oh, old yeah. chest. Um, not as much as like IMAX or Dolby, but still, it was pretty solid. It was mm. good. So when I was feeling those punches, I mean, it gives you the tone and it mm-hmm. kind of gets you adrenalized for the rest of what's going to happen. But yeah, there were there were many moments where I I was just laughing. The whole theater laughed many times, honestly, in moments that you'd think would be serious. Mm-hmm. So like when he fell down the stairs and just would not stop rolling down and jumping down them, everybody just started laughing, like dying laughing. Nobody was like, oh, man, nobody felt defeated. They just started cracking the fuck up because it was just so exaggerated and, and funny but <laughs> is he ever the, gonna stop yeah his his pistols man he uh they were very liberal with the bullet count on the through the whole film and that's why i love the swords honestly mm-hmm. like when they tried to invade the club that he was um speaking to his friend he was kind of hiding at um they i like the swords i like the sumo guys mm-hmm. i like the the creativity and the and the stars and everything the ninja yeah aspects because so much is, of this series is guns and to have mm-hmm. the have them hold their own mostly against um the biggest threat that they've faced um they have the full force of the circle behind it um the table and the table they they were pretty cool it was a nice fresh kind of fight and you're so ready for that first fight to begin the way mm-hmm. they had the the camera tracking the music and everybody getting ready I've rarely felt more pumped to see a, a fight oh, yeah. on screen. And that's that's rare because you get so desensitized to violence and, and, and fighting in movies, especially if there's plot armor because you just know that they're hitting each other and taking mortal wounds and not going to die. You, mm-hmm. you know they're not going to die, but you're just like, oh, okay. He lost the liver. Oh, well, I mean, he'll, he'll mm-hmm. tank it. Yeah. You know, because you're just used to that happening in so many movies you see now. But, like, mm-hmm. that first fight was so cleverly shot and edited and the music was just so pitch perfect that I was so ready for that fight to start, it and it did not disappoint. No. So it was, it was. I think that it kind of set the tone, but it also, yeah, like you slanted in this like comedic value to the seriousness of, of the finality of the of the film. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they kind of set you up for the stairs climax, yeah, um, with that opening where he's just blowing extra bullets out of his ass. <laughs> I'm John Wick. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. All these bullets out of nowhere, <laughs> which, uh, which actually leads me to my next question for you. So, uh, speaking of the club scene, right at the uh, Osaka Hotel, yeah, uh, the Osaka Continental. So when he's defending that, I my favorite thing about that was that the variety of weapons being used by each character. So like, yeah, the swords, the shurikens, like all that stuff. But then he even takes up nunchucks. And he's, oh, oh, that was probably my favorite scene. Uh, One of my favorite scenes. It's such a long movie. Yeah. But like, it was so satisfying to see, because you don't see nunchucks in movies ever. And he killed it with the nunchucks. He was so skilled. Oh, he was so good. And he did 75% of his own stunts too. So you know it was him. Keanu Reeves is a, a godsend. He really is. And I hope he continues to do movies the way he has been. Yeah. Yeah. Love Ready, John? Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I I, wanted to get your opinion on the variety of weapons that were used throughout the whole film. It was so clever because you saw a lot of characters not just aimlessly, casually pick up a weapon if they lost theirs. You saw them deliberately 
um, steal the weapons of other characters and turn them on them and then keep using them. So even the um, the old man at the beginning with the sword mm-hmm. and the, the staff and everything and all of his own weaponry he's expert in. He the first thing you see him do is uh, twist up a guy's arm, take his his gun, and then start using it the whole rest of the fight. It's like they're not fools; they they know they need to match these guys as best they can. But um, I think the the weaponry was just incredible because mostly you see John Wick classic pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a very sexy pistol towards the end. But when they're negotiating, I'm not a hundred percent sure how it works. Still, and I've seen it twice. I'm not sure who had the right to choose each thing in the negotiation between the, the the duel because you would see one of them say um, a location the other would counter with a different location but one of them would get the choice and it wasn't clear to me who got the right to choose each one because they would and they would flip their cards and everything but mm-hmm. uh, we only know the first choice because the, the the usher the master ceremonies um, the old man with the white beard um, with the finger missing the same mm-hmm. finger wick is missing mm-hmm. you see him say that the um, the pompous Swede, get the Frenchman or whatever he was, <laughs> I think he was Swedish, um, gets uh, the first choice. But yeah. then after that, we had no idea who was choosing what. He was Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. He played the Marquis. Marquis, yes, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I see, the, the way they settled that was each of them would name their location and then they would each flip a, a card um, and then whoever had the higher card, that would be what they got it do. okay so i thought the cards were more representative of what they were like saying or showing but now no, yeah, yeah now i get it the, it's the like tablets a, were basically completely randomized like yeah. you flip a tablet and if your tablet that you flipped was higher of a number than theirs then you won got it yeah um, so then that's that was such a good scene mm-hmm. <laughs> but that led to the final battle where wick won with the guns because uh the, the the marquee wanted blades because mm-hmm. he knew that um Kane could kill anybody with a blade, mm-hmm. even John. So, you know, John luckily got the higher number. He said bullets, and it's also more easily manipulated bullets mm-hmm. because you Pistols. can, yeah, you can you can take some shots, oh, yeah. even if they're fatal, and you mm-hmm. can still crawl a little bit. And if you um, sacrifice yourself, <laughs> you can keep one in the chamber for him when That's he comes right. to finish the job. So, right. you arrogant asshole! Yeah. He didn't shoot. Oh, it was, yeah. it was I, so good. Oh, my God. And what did you think of Skarsgård as the marquee? He was excellent. I mean, I mean I'm t- so tired of uh, him playing, like, completely insane guys. So it was really good to see someone very calculating, very sane, and mm-hmm. very, you know, intimidating in terms of the power he wielded. But I loved how he it was always reminded to the audience by the older man, like, where the hierarchy really lies, this guy is not the top. You can tell that he's an attorney general who is fucking desperate to get some arrests and get some mm-hmm. big busts. Um, you know, he wants to throw, he wants to indict Trump, right? So he wants the big game um, mm-hmm. because he wants to get up to the higher levels. And this old man keeps humbling him and putting him in his place, and um, you know, just reminding him that everything he's doing is not uh, upstanding, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not everything he does is going to be admired by the families at the table so it was a very cool to see someone intimidating but still not intimidating enough to even begin to intimidate the table they just hired Mm -hmm. him to to clean up some messes and he didn't realize that he's not the king of everything now so the power got to his head he got drunk you could tell he was a young headstrong power hungry um villain 
and that made him very dangerous but also vulnerable and it was so cool to see such a good integration of villains where where usually the series is kind of like they're they'll throw a lot of npcs at you then they'll throw a lot of mid-level bosses at you that run the npcs and then they die at the end of the movie and that's a john wick movie this was more like you very high level um you've been sticking with us through these video games it's kind of like a video game series you stuck with us we're going to give you some serious bosses but they're going to be fun Mm -hmm. so it felt like a promise delivered honestly absolutely and uh you know uh speaking of like the the marquee and you made a point on like he's He's vulnerable because he's so headstrong. And I think his ambition was openly the the downfall of him in the end, which a brilliant character who played on his ambition was Winston, uh, Ian yeah. McShane's character. He's the ultimate calculator, and his experience mm-hmm. was so superior to this young guy. And there's even a scene where he says... You know, history is littered with marquees who, you know, had great ambitions, great ideas, but, um, you know, they got trampled by the experienced con man, politician, mm-hmm. leader, military man, like whatever, you know, all these ambitious guys who got completely trampled by history and by their circumstances mm-hmm. and by their flaws. So he always has an angle, as John Wick said. Always. <laughs> and uh, so one of my favorite characters in the movie i know we both have some thoughts on him uh but wasn't he what so did you cool? think about kane his character what did you think about him emotionally the investment was high so mm-hmm. i i loved his story he was um he filled a, a really typical but still amazing role of um incredible warrior that's forced to do things he doesn't want to he was basically the hercules um, like, um, what do you call it? It's uh, for indentured servitude mm-hmm. to protect his daughter and um, the relationship that he desperately wants but can't have with her. Um, for, he there were, he seemed like he wanted to avoid direct contact with her mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. He's been an assassin for a long time. You know, he doesn't want to directly endanger her. Of course, the table knows about her. Mm-hmm. Of course, the table knows they can threaten her with. Um, you know, they can. They're like the CIA. They can just poison her. She can disappear from the face of the earth. No one would know. No one would prosecute. Nothing would happen. Mm -hmm. And he would lose his daughter. So he had to do everything they said. But, you know, he, I love that part of him. But Mm -hmm. there were, there were also very confusing things, dude. They, they stretched my willingness to participate in the negotiation of suspension of my Mm -hmm. unalienable right to um, suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. (laughs) John Wick, I always give them a lot of room for leeway, and I give them the benefit of the doubt by a mile. But like this guy just pushed it, you know. Yeah. They they had him use a couple tricks that you would think a man, even the most skilled blind man, would use to get around his apartment and not fucking fall in the oven or you know break his neck on the on the tub. Mm-hmm. But this man was unblindly going through the whole film like he sword fought like he could see everything that was coming he never once looked blind to be perfectly honest like he, he took his glasses off he saw scars but he still you could see his lens focusing on the people he was looking at mm. it was so odd it was like he was faking blindness and maybe a, a plot twist mm. because he never had a single problem navigating even up steps and everything like it's just how how did you do this, man? And that's the thing. He should have been shot so many times. Like, blind people and bullets and people uh, fighting people with guns with a sword? No! <laughs> he would have been killed. 
There was only one moment actually where he was actually blind. It was when he thought he killed John earlier when he shot up some glass. So he's kind of stumbling around going, John, you dead? <laughs> Are you dead? No. <laughs> Start shooting. Like I I think they just pushed me a little too far with him. But yeah. but as a character, the, he was the coolest one. Phenomenal. And as a as a person, you know, just as a fully fleshed three D character, I mean, he was he was honestly excellent. So and he's definitely going to be in, in more movies. They're going to have spinoffs um, focusing on that woman who wants revenge for her father's Akira. death because he sword fought perfectly and killed her dad. Mm-hmm. So who was not blind. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was typical John Wickian, but it, it was the first time I've ever watched a series and gone, that couldn't happen. What the yeah. hell is that? <laughs> like, what's, how does that know? No. He's faking it. I said that the whole time, so I hope that's a plot twist in the future is that he's not actually fully blind. Or maybe the glasses are like sensors of some sort that help him. High-tech pulse, like sonar pulse, kind of like the Dark Knight where um, he wore the the lenses from, from Fox that gave him basic pulses but if they malfunction then that's all he could see and they would he had to rip them out basically if if, if they malfunction because he wouldn't see anything yeah maybe something like that maybe i yeah man i just i don't know how he did it they didn't make it they didn't spend much time beyond the first it wasn't couple scenes it wasn't very believable past yeah. the first couple times they showed him like fight with it yeah. like whenever he used the doorbells and shit like that that was really cool because then like that's reasonable he would know where to shoot because the noise came from there right he's got to pray that they don't realize though because like if i watched past that noise you know and i got scared because i thought it was a i might duck like a bullet yeah. be, and then i'm you're behind the counter and he's just shooting at the wall so that's another thing too like they were thankfully for him dumb enough to just stand and be like oh what's that noise and then stay still and wait for him to be like <laughs> oh the noise was there and then like perfectly shoot him right in the head and it's mm-hmm. like how <laughs> well that's the thing even if he knows the general location of where someone's standing from that noise probably how does he know where their head is yeah yeah or like you know how does he know where the where the gun is like he can know he's holding his arm out straight but you don't know if the gun's like this or down or like how do you that's why i think the gun fighting with him was a little um a little far-fetched but also i i love the character i don't want to argue it too much but like it it doesn't make too too much sense in the world that he was living in and fighting in yeah he shouldn't have made it that far (laughs) low-key it would have been funny if he if his first uh, fight he got murked right in the head yeah you know he's i literally (laughs) just whip my arms up a couple times now i close my eyes i listen to a sound in the room and i whip my arm at it and like both times i was not even close to the actual object i was just Mm. in the general area i would have missed every time it's like you know, I mean, I guess he has superpowers. We'll find out if he's on a super drug of some sort. Like, there's um, there's that movie Limitless and, yeah. and Endless or whatever it's called. So, maybe he's on a super drug. I don't know. He well, just, he's magic. Well, that's the thing. is it, And you could argue, like, oh, well, maybe he's practiced. But it's like, in practice, how does he know if he hits the thing? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, John, you dead? <laughs> exactly. Is, Would John so, say if he's dead? Right? Like, if he wasn't laying on glass, he probably could have killed him right there. Yeah, and then, like, how many dead guys are going to go, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um. So, I guess 
uh, one of my last couple of questions, but in my opinion, um, the, the saddest one I have, are you aligned with me in the thought that Lance Reddick's character, um, should have gotten more screen time? I know that like they were done filming it before he passed and everything, but it, it was very sad that like the first 15 minutes of that three hour movie was all we got with him. Yeah. It was, um, rest in peace to, to Lance. And, um, he was scheduled for a comic con that one of my coworkers was going to go to. That's so sad. Um, you know, he, he would have been able to meet him. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he's, he had a great career though. And he, he killed it in this series. So, it, yeah, it's a mixed bag because he was so great in the time he was in. But, you know, I, I don't see a very, very strong place for the character in the rest of the film. Mm. I see a strong place for the actor because, like, you can't go wrong with him. The more you have him, the better you're going to feel. But mm. as a character, I understand why if you're just putting this on a white page and you don't really, you know, think beyond that to start, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to be there. It, it, he really signified and solidified the Continental's stability and, and safety. Mm-hmm. And he, him dying wasn't just their friend dying or, or a character death. It, was, it wasn't just an example to make the villain stronger, which it still did. It mm-hmm. made him very oh, it did. serious because he blew up the Continental and shot the guy. Like that's, just, that's what made him really get the momentum to be a great villain, like I said mm-hmm. earlier. But, I mean, yeah, losing Lance's character was incredibly sad so i understand why he shouldn't have been in the rest of the film because his significance was mainly to signify the safety and security and long-term stability of the continental so as soon as the marquee blew that up and killed him the audience really knows in their stomach and in their 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 emotional depths that the, the continental is gone and Winston really needs to use his masterful negotiation tactics, use his knowledge of the laws and the rules of the table to outsmart the marquee, even if it means kissing his ass for the longest time and just trying really hard to avoid getting killed before he has a chance to truly arrange all of his strongest pieces into a checkmate. And that's what Winston is. He's the he's the mastermind who is always out for himself, but also tries to keep his very closest friends alive <laughs> as much as he can. He has some honor in him, just a little bit. And he needed that kick in the ass to really get the better of the marquee. I feel like if, if Lance's character had stayed the rest of the film, I don't think he would have had that same motivation. He, I think he would have gone and done what he did in, what was it, the third one? where he was kind of on lockdown and, and fleeing, basically kind of hiding and unless he shot wick and then the table finally got off his ass. Mm-hmm. So I think if he was still there, you would have had that situation all over again. Just another third one. Yeah. They really wanted you to feel like this is the last one. And, and, you know, in the last movie of violent movies, there's, you know, there's always going to be the, the pickoffs. Game of Thrones does it. Harry Potter did it for God's sake. Yeah. Star Wars does it, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. They all, just give you that real punch in the gut when they finish a trilogy or a film or, you know, a story arc or a subplot, mm-hmm. they will take someone out. <laughs> They're not afraid. 
So John Wick, I mean, they're, they're no different. He's killed a lot of people, a lot of major people, a lot of big-name actors mm-hmm. that they can't have in comeback in sequels. They, they killed off it because they were like, this is what would happen. So it's not just plot armor for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would say he, uh, he sorely missed. Um, he was an amazing actor, but mm-hmm. I, as much as I wish I had him there for the movie, I understand with the plot that they ended up going with why he wouldn't stick around. But, you know, they could always have made a different plot or he could have been involved and then maybe died in the end. But, you know, yeah. it's just the, the way the plot unfolded, I it felt right, even mm-hmm. if it was hard. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that he was kind of like the the thing that invested both the audience and the characters into what was happening. I think because uh, everybody loved his character. Like yeah. everybody loved him. And I think that, like you said, he was a symbol of something good. Yeah. And the moment that the marquee shot him, you were like, like, whoa, like, what does this mean? Like, <laughs> like, holy shit, that just happened. Um, but I definitely agree. I uh I think that it would have been great if we had more time with him in, like on the screen, um, but I I definitely see why it happened that way for plot. Yeah, um, and also the theme he he was reinforcing the theme of death, and mm-hmm. he gave John Wick his um. He's always accepted death, but mm-hmm. not if it meant dying before he gets to kill who wronged him mm-hmm. so when he finally is able to kill everyone who wrongs him that's when he finally gives in even to like the same kind of injuries he's always had in these films mm-hmm. he just kind of you know feels peace and wants to believe that whatever is after this leads to his wife even if even if it doesn't even there even if there's nothing there so it felt like that was really when they were talking in the tunnel about the the tombstone mm-hmm. you know what did you put on his tombstone friend mm-hmm. you know, loyal friend that's that's all he really needed so, so john goes um loving husband loving husband that's what i want on mine mm-hmm. and that's what was on his so I, I honestly i think that that death in the beginning was the most significant one of the whole film mm-hmm. even even matching up to john's because john's wouldn't john would not have been where he was if he hadn't known of his death and felt it so hard because mm-hmm. he was one of he was his only friend mm-hmm. he's the only man in the world who trusted that dog mm-hmm. any of his dogs so yeah it was honestly i think it was a huge thematic uh, butterfly effect so his death happened it immediately tied into something that we didn't get to travel to until we went through that much mm-hmm. of the movie and got there but when it happened it was instant in terms of time because time's an illusion it doesn't exist as we learned in mario yeah that's right so what's your next question uh so my next and last question do you think that there will be more attention in the future not only to akira which um is rena sawayama's character um who's hunting kane but also to tracker uh who's the guy with the dog uh shamir anderson yes he he was Loki almost shoehorned into this movie. I really like, like that character. I really like it. And the fact that him and like John became so close at the end. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of like that neutral, uh, could be an ally, could be an enemy character the whole movie. Um, you know, he, he ended up helping more than he hindered. But like, 
I, I think that it meant something when he stuck around for the duel. Yeah, like, just to watch. Not even interfere. Yeah, he just watched. No, he just watched. Respected it and, with a beer. And you can see like the look on his face when like like everybody there knew that like you know John was done. You know what I mean? Like he he was walking off to to do his thing and that was probably the end of it. And yeah. I I feel like they opened up such an interesting character with him cuz he got a lot of screen time. Yeah, and and I think just a few scenes with him were were kind of forced. You know, like I, I was asking myself, why is he here? Why mm-hmm. does he need to be here right now? Um, I think he was more important in that incredible sequence where um, John is shooting and it goes up to the ceiling level and it shows it like a like you're looking down on a D and D terrain. Yeah, room, yeah, where, where the no you, ceiling yeah, walls. And it was like the that. best shot oh. of the series almost. Oh, I swear so that's good. probably the best shot of the series besides oh, so the. Good. Um, the fight with um, Killer, the, mm. the, the the giant mobster. Yeah, that the music in that one was, and the rain was just so well done. That, I mean, those two scenes are probably the best scenes in the entire series. And mm. like, and I love the first three. Oh, so, yeah. uh, like, they really top themselves no, in every way with so this one. Good, but yeah, they answer the question though. I think um, she's being set up to be probably like the next John Wick type. She's not a replacement, but she's mm-hmm. the next vain kind of continuation yeah because she's the daughter of his best friend she's stuck in the blood of what they do like in in family and in literal blood covering you because you're shooting everybody kind of thing she's kind of stuck in that blood she's drowning in it and she's not going to get out unless she you know does what john did and finds a way to quit and and stay quit you know Mm -hmm. stay done and move on but she yeah i mean she's going to be very interesting to see what they do with her and kane whether that's going to be its own thing or if that's just going to be something that's kind of addressed in the ballerina spinoff. Well, no, the ballerina spinoff takes place before. So mm-hmm. uh, Keanu is going to be cameoing that one. That's going to be, um, oh, what's her name? The She's dating Ben Affleck a year or two ago. Um, Shannon. Okay. No, 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 no. She's the, the new Cuban oh, actress. Uh, she's I'm in a bunch of stuff I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. I can't believe her. Her name is Anya Taylor Joy. Is just stuck up in there. It's a different, <laughs> it's a different A. It's a different A. But um, yeah, I'll, uh, look up the ballerina cast. I'll, I'll do that in a second. She, um, they might be primed to either join up or, or end up fighting. I don't know if ballerina is going to turn into something where she survives the that spinoff, that prequel spinoff. But if she does, it'll be interesting to see them fight. Anna Darmus, yes, Anna um, Darmus. she's going to be the ballerina. Really? Um, assassin in in Creek Keanu is going to be in that one next year, but that's a prequel, so I don't know where they're going. But if they end up with spinoffs or straight up sequels, the biggest question they're going to have to answer is: Is John Wick truly dead? Is he faking it? You got to close the coffin because we didn't see the coffin close with a body in it. Until I see that, I don't believe it. <laughs> it happened. That's right. Um, you don't tell me that you made a three hour movie where everything is shown in, in painstaking detail. But then suddenly the most important sequence of the whole series you've done, really, you kind of gloss over it and suddenly you see the tombstone only after he, he passed out on some steps after asking to be taken home. Like, it's such a strange phrase to say, a man of few words. He could have said like a, a goodbye to Winston or something. He could have said, you know, like a thank you. Yeah. The, you know, I hate you, but this is the end or like, I hate you, but I love you. And also Winston said like, you know, farewell, my son. To, to Wick when he when it, on his grave, not, yeah. not to his face. I mean, interesting choice of words in many parts of this. Um, 
John Wick is known for like simple um, shooter, first person shooter, action fighting, you know, simple plots, mm-hmm. simple, simple beefs that That's get resolved. Right. And, and it's mostly just about honor for like have a goddamn bit of honor where you yeah. kill everybody, all the NPCs. You yeah. know, it's about honor between these super killers. So, you know, the, the fact that they started getting real deep and, 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 you know, making those interesting choices of words. Mm. I love how it's how vague it is as to where they're going because I'm so tired of movies where you know exactly what's going to happen next. Like, you know, any Marvel post credits teaser is basically just the leaked script of their next film in that yeah. series, or at least in that sub series of like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy hints the next one. Yeah, you know, you know what the hell it's going to be, and then the trailers confirm it. And then you, you know, yeah. and then they also just blueprinted off the last ones. It's like it's, it's almost all the same. But like, Basically. I love having ones where you're like, "What the fuck didn't happen?" There's all these different threads, and they're all good. There's also going to be HBO Max Continental prequel series, so that's going to be cool Ooh, too. That's going to be. Really uh, don't cool. know how you pull that off without Lance, but I don't know. Winston will be there. Uh, I yeah. think a young Winston. So maybe he hasn't met him yet in the to work maybe. around that, but I mean the I think the best quote of the entire film was when uh, Kane and John know that this is the last they're sitting they know the what they have to do. Actually, this was after this is like uh, the end of the duel. Oh, oh okay. He go, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the the quote was uh, um, Kane says, "Those who cling to life die," and John goes, yeah, "Those who cling to death live." Mm-hmm. Raises his gun, doesn't shoot, gets shot right through the middle, liver blown up, uh, intestines blown out of the bag. Yeah. You saw the huge yeah, blood spray. Huge blood spray. And um, yeah, the marquee cocky as ever goes up and <laughs> does what I said earlier. Winston's like, you arrogant asshole. <laughs> you didn't shoot. <laughs> Consequences. <sighs> yeah, it's just... I they made a lot of interesting choices. They made a lot of clever play on dialogue at the end. They left a lot open, including oh, yeah. possibly his casket. <laughs> so I want to know what happens next. I'm desperate to know, and it's up to Keanu and the directors if they ever want more Wick to come back or if he's Absolutely. dead, dead, and then they move on to other characters, which also isn't a bad thing because no. it'll be fresh for the series and mm-hmm. it'll be fun, and there's not as much pressure to make each John Wick the greatest goddamn John Wick yet, you know, like they really top themselves and I don't see how they make a five until a lot of time passes, even if he ever comes back. Right. So if, even if it's done, it was satisfying and it honestly was either just as good as, or probably better than the first three. Like Mm -hmm. I love them, but this one was so good. So good. So this is one of the best movies I've seen to review in a Mm -hmm. long time. Like this is like, I would say straight up 10 out of 10. I, there wasn't a moment I didn't really like in the movie. The only thing I didn't, really jibe with was um <laughs> some of the some of Kane's antics and yeah. um his skills were incredible but impossible and <laughs> unexplained and also a little bit of that tracker where it's like yeah. you don't need to be in every scene there why are they pushing him so hard and yeah. then he didn't really have a payoff where he ended up being super important he was just kind of like mostly there for John to have a he good was, a dog saving moment he was helpful yeah. in a lot of moments and I think that's why they had him around another just another character to introduce to the franchise to maybe do something with later i'd imagine yeah but again i i, follow I feel you like in she that sentiment where... the more significant character that they're pushing past though mm-hmm. in the future projects was the daughter akira akira and but she got less screen time than this tracker guy and yeah. I, I feel like that was a little inverted i feel like she should have probably got a little more because mm-hmm. instead of just cutting to her finding kane maybe you show how she found him and show her tracking him a little bit maybe but i mean it it, you know they they got what they got 
And there were just only a couple scenes where I thought the tracker was a little forced on us. But, I mean, mm. you don't notice it with all the beauty going on. It's such a good movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the music was incredible. The whole franchise, John Wick, is fantastic. I would love to see another one. But I'm very satisfied with this one. I would most definitely agree that it's a 10 out of 10 movie. Honestly, in my opinion, it's a 10 out of 10 franchise. Oh, yeah. And which I'm still stunned this all came to be out of some burglars from a Russian mob came in and killed this man's dog, not knowing who he was. And then, bam, we get four movies. And they are some of the most cinematic masterpieces of a hardcore action, like suspense drama movie series that i've ever watched and it's one of the defining markers of the 2010s it, it, is. it, it was an era where cinema and creative blockbusters were on the harsh decline very steep tumble very quickly and, and the commercialism blew up to a new level and you know the story <laughs> lost most of its meaning mm-hmm. it, just by so many companies wanting to make a big profit off of like transformers and whatever mm-hmm. junk they could pump on you so i mean it really is the defining big time cinema action it's it, reminiscent of like the cool 80s um action films with like stallone and stuff mm-hmm. where it's just like all out so no, i agree it's and our generation's stallone really i think it's way. probably tied uh, with uh, Kingsman, the Kingsman movies, as far <laughs> as my favorite cinematography goes, the Kingsman movies and the John Wick movies are so good in every aspect of cinematography and how they go about the whole film. The camera shots used, the motion of the camera during fights, uh, the focus on each subject during each fight sequence, the it's just the use of it is phenomenal and they are by far my favorite uh franchises for that purpose they handle death so hilariously Mm -hmm. violently openly but just amazingly (laughs) you see men get split in half by a boot with a blade on it Mm -hmm. you see Mark Hamill's head blow up in a in a cloud of um, Skittles rainbow. Mm-hmm. You see Barack Obama's head blow up in the White House. It, it's one of the greatest, like, yeah, they're, they're some of the greatest movies I've ever seen, too. Yeah. And their theme is so strong, and it carries through, and it really ties everything together, and their sense of camaraderie among mass murderers mm-hmm. is, is admirable and fun to watch. And you really feel like one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I fully agree with you on that. And we reviewed the last Kingsman movie, didn't we? Yeah, we did. For this. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say it again. That sword fight at oh the end. Oh, my God. With the, well, of the first fight with the 1812 Overture playing um, against Rasputin, who was oh, so Rasputin's deliciously played. amazing. Like, he was so yeah. funny, but also so perfect as Rasputin. They, uh, I, they had him in just His the right amount of the movie. was perfect. I was so disappointed to see him get shot. Because uh, he, he was around for a perfect amount, but I wanted him more. He was just so delicious. I mean, he lived up to it, though. It took forever to kill him. They had to, <laughs> they had to kill him like four times to actually kill him. And then at the end, the camera on the sword. That's what they made it look like. Oh, it my was God. So that was so good. That's what I mean about the cinematography. Yeah. The Kingsman movies and the John Wick movies will never disappoint me mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Not a chance. Manners maketh man. That's right. But... 
I'd say that sums up pretty much everything I wanted to ask you about for John Wick 4. Um, and, you know, you kind of get the sentiment. Uh, I think the, the John Wick movies as a franchise altogether, 10 out of 10. Fully agree. Absolutely love all of them. Uh, There's not a single one of them that I would excommunicado. Absolutely. And tell you what, not a single character I'd have shot off a rooftop either. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he survived worse than he took at the end, but, you know, yeah. the end really went in the wrong place, right through the gut, um, as most of the films did, but in, a, in the best way yeah. in, until the end. Oh, where it was best. really emotional at the end, but yeah. Um, I have some trivia for you. Okay. John Wick trivia. What was the penance of the Bowery? Um, And just a hint in case, like, it's not fully there. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. The Bowery King, right? Yeah, yeah. What was the penance Penance. of the Bowery King that the table enforced on him? Uh, What was it? All the cuts. Seven cuts for seven seven bullets. Yes. Sometimes you just need to cut a bitch, yeah. as he said. Yeah. Yep. Pass with flying colors, you get a you get a gold coin from the car. Yay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. When do I get my gun? <laughs> um. <laughs> seven bullets. Which, gotta love. Um, seven million dollars. <laughs> seven bullets. Which one last note I'll make, and I know we talked about the weapons already, but those pistols that he was given in the end of the movie. They had like gold on them, and then mm. you could take off the top, and it was like spiked on the edges, so he could like punch and yeah. puncture it would with be them. A stat, like a, he like was a like knife, a, yeah. he called it like the viper or something like that, like the viper bites. And oh my gosh, it was so cool. Man's got to look good when he's about to get married or buried. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I uh, love them all. So absolutely. this was one of the most fun episodes I've done in a while. Like yeah. we, we saw a silly, silly movie, but then also we still had all the thoughts from the really big, like the first movie of the year for me. Mm-hmm. So if anything can top this, it'll be probably the likes of Oppenheimer, Dune 2. Like it's going to take real big ones to really start swinging to John Wick because he yeah. came out stronger than I expected. Oh, absolutely. So it's movie of the year right now. Mm-hmm. And that might not be topped for a while because Indiana Jones, I mean, you never know how bad Kathleen Kennedy's. We just talked about a couple episodes We've always, yeah, ago. You never know how much she might that. screw it up, and uh, the magic might be lost uh, with without Spielberg and uh, Lucas working on it. So yeah. we, we just don't know with Lucasfilm anymore. But um, you know, then you got like Fast X. Like nobody cares. I'm we don't sorry. Need another one. The Rednecks are the only people who watch those. Like seriously, everybody else watches it for the the last the like family. So, like, you know, and then Transformers. Nobody wanted a reboot of Transformers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it's going to be a lot of boring movies this summer. And, you know, and, and then Aquaman. Nobody uh, wants Aquaman 2 this Christmas. No. Just So, John Wick's going to be up there. I think it's going to be top 10 movies this year. Like, I, maybe I, top five. I think it'll stay on my top spot of this year. I think John Wick 4 will stay as number one for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I I just can't. I'll have to see something to believe that it could top it. I really would. I will challenge you to that, actually. Um, mm. I'm going to watch Oppenheimer in proper IMAX, like real, the actual size. Oh, like There's a real theater in, in Ohio. It's a yeah. Cinemark. So we get to see it free. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. tell you what, yeah, um, let's let's we'll watch Oppenheimer. Let's, let's hold you to that. We'll make a bet on Oppenheimer. Sounds good. So um, I don't know what we should bet. 
I will figure that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that we'll, out we'll get that. That's out. actually going to be something fun to, to work over the next uh, couple episodes. One of us buys the next dark anthology. Yeah, know? yeah. It's like one of us, it, even like movie related, <clears throat> one of us um, has to get a poster or whatever. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll think we'll of a really fun one. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So if, if we pick something now, I know we're going to kick ourselves later and be like, oh, we should have picked this. This is perfect. So yeah. when it lands in our hands. Yeah, when yeah. it lands, we'll find but, it. I will. That's that's my bet. I'm gonna bet Oppenheimer, Sounds and good. we'll see how it goes this July. Hopefully, but yeah, this was the exciting new, um, new and improved Gonzo film reviews. We have a new a new entry, a new trailer, and everything. <laughs> yes, we do. Or a new logo. Um, yes. We have a new film production company. So we're we're getting shiny. We're getting yes, we we're are. Getting real. We're gonna we're gonna break past six hundred. Um, 600 listeners so oh, yeah. everyone Hopefully. out there in all 35 or 36 countries who listen um i love you all and welcome to our new german listeners because they spiked up to six oh, percent wow. so yeah, we have 74 percent usa six percent great britain and then a new third place germany so wow. welcome well, all yeah welcome listeners all, in germany honestly and it's great to be back i've taken a small hiatus from the from the podcast doing everything i've been uh studying up on the video game portion of the podcast i've been Pretty much nonstop grinding on that while pursuing education. Yeah, it's it's um, tough to balance this with college. But, but um, um, now that I'm out, now that I'm done with college, I can, you know, start freeing up the schedule a little more, start finishing up some stuff, and uh, I'm happy to be back on it. And let me tell you guys, we have a really big one coming up. So we're going to have Jedi Fallen Order 2. Mm-hmm. Um, just was that last year? Holy Lord. Um, last year we reviewed last summer we reviewed Family Camp and, and Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> oh Lord, that feels Camp. like a couple months ago. <laughs> I can't believe that was last like June. Oh, oh Lord, I can't believe Family Camp. You just brought back. Yeah, we, we probably well, we can't get back it. into that <laughs> no, right now. We'll go for another two hours yeah, on just would. trashing that movie. Lord, again. I um, especially more so after even even just in the past year of like everything I've gone through. Now in terms, that it's in had terms time of, to sink. Yeah. yeah. And the, the new project we're working on is is really gonna cover like a lot of the flaws in that movie in a real big way, like not yeah. just not just narratively or, or fictionally. I mean, right. seriously. So we'll have to tune in for it when it happens. Yeah, we have a we have a very very big documentary to announce at some point soon. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, Jedi Fallen Order two is coming up. Um, there are gonna be some big games. I mean, the Star Wars Eclipse. It's coming out probably three mm. years from now. It's a huge uh, project, but I mean that's going to be a huge one for us to review. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are going to be some fun games coming out. Yeah, plus we'll still be covering more of the uh, Dark Pictures anthology games. Uh, we've been playing through those. Yeah, we, <clears> ha- just, we have to make a whole thing. Yeah. Like even if it's two, three just hours, I don't up. care. I want to yeah. talk about all of them at Absolutely. once. Absolutely, that's going to be a very big special event episode sometime. Oh, yeah. We have a, a good all day, to, and then. Um, as promised, it's still coming. I promise. Um, I'm going to finish the Lord of the Rings season one review because <laughs> after I reviewed the the beginning of the yeah. of the first season, I mean, it just the high really faded, and the rest of the season was so terrible compared to the first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's still coming. Um, I might touch Gotham Knights part two. We I don't know yet. <laughs> there, I kind of left that open because the game just it's so hard to talk about. It's not worth it. <laughs> I need to finish it. There's just one little thing I need to do. And then the last announcement I would think is um, in, in terms of finishing episodes, um, the Bioshock um, mm. retrospective is going to be very big and ambitious, probably about two hours. Uh, might go on YouTube as well with a lot of footage. So that one's probably coming this summer. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I mean, that's really all the news I have. I mean, there's, there's little things to throw in there. There's a Harry Potter HBO Max reboot. 
Why? I don't know. It has the exact same logo as the movies, but a new cast. We How do you recast Hagrid? <laughs> like, he just passed. Yeah. Um, you lost Alan Rickman. You yeah. lost Barty Crouch. You lost um, so many people that were in the original, and they were perfectly cast. There's nothing you can do to top Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. There's yeah. nothing you can do um, to top Ron Weasley. No. I don't think you can get it better than Rupert Grint. No, he was can't. built for the role. So, you know, it's just, it, it's hard. So, mm -hmm. good luck to them. I hope they're okay. I'm not going to watch most of it. Probably I'll just skim it to review it. But if it's good, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. But I mean, they're doing one book per season. That's the goal, and it's happening fast. So it's probably going to be a mistake every time they rush these things. They turn out badly. But you know, we will see. I'll, I'll, I have a tiny bit of hope that they don't completely screw it up. And we'll have to find out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, everyone, uh, including Germany, <laughs> all mm -hmm. new listeners uh, for tuning in. This is going to be. Um, about the fifth or sixth episode of season two hmm. of Gonzo Film Reviews, and season two is really uh, we're we're picking up steam, and yeah, we're getting absolutely. we're getting a lot of design things done, and, and we're going to have some really fun projects coming out. So, mm -hmm. thanks everyone for sticking in and listening, and um, you know those who cling to death uh, live; <laughs> those who cling to life, life die. Yeah. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. Yep. <laughs>